Hold on to yourselves. There's one more thing. A terrible presence is in there with her. So much rage. So much betrayal. I've never sensed anything like it. I don't know what hovers over this house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take your dog away from you. He keeps Caroline very close to it and away from the spectral light. It lies to her. It says things only a child can understand. It has been using her to restrain the others. To her, it simply is another child. To us, it is the beast. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Man, this is Spooksville. All right, so tonight we're talking to George. Uh, George has got some really cool stories for us. Um, I met George a few years back uh, through some mutual friends and um, just recently found out he's got some solid interest in the paranormal. Um, so uh, it starts with a personal experience that he's had with his family um, and just kind of stems from there. So, George, if you want to start by telling your story uh, to kick things off, uh, take it away. Thank you, Steve. Um, yeah, I've, I've had stuff happen um, since childhood, really. Things uh, in different houses we lived in. My parents, my, my father worked for a hospital supply company, and we moved. Uh, I was born in Massachusetts, moved to Tampa, Florida, lived in Maryland, then New Jersey for a while, and back down to Maryland again. And, um, you know, throughout my childhood, things happened. But once I bought my own house and... Um, you know, me and my wife had lived there for a while. Uh, um, through her illness, I think something came to our our house to, like in a dark way. Uh, she had some um, bipolar issues and went through some really bad times. Um, we had a young child at the house too, and it was just kind of like a black cloud over the house. And uh, I guess you might say I was the 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 spiritual one out of the household and um you know trying to keep things together uh as a family and um but at the time uh me and my wife each had our own bedroom um it just was easier that way uh you could get some rest without arguing and um so I'll never forget this one night um I'm in bed and uh I'm asleep I have a a yellow lab um, about five or six years old, sleeping on the floor next to my bed. And um, it sounds like somebody takes a sledgehammer and hits my headboard that's about a foot from my head three times. <laughs> and it just loud and deaf. It was a, a solid maple headboard, and it shot me up out of my bed, you know, from sound asleep to just I'm sitting looking around like, okay, what, you know, what was that um, and what's happening? And, um, 
the only thing I could really see other than, you know, a little bit of light in the hallway was my alarm clock. And it said 3.30, which at the time meant nothing. You know, just, okay, it's 3.30, point taken. But then I noticed that um, my dog was still sound asleep. And I thought that was really odd because I, I know for a fact I heard that noise and it was deafening loud. And for him to be asleep made no sense. So, um, so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm looking and, and my senses are trying to pick up whatever is here. And, uh, I don't know, five, ten minutes go by and, and this feeling of dread just kind of dissipates, you know, because I felt like I don't know, eyes on you or, you know, something's just not right. But it, it went away. And um, so that was the first thing I remember. Um, but the same, in that same time frame, and I, I, for life me, can't remember if this happened before or after, but, um, another night I'm in that room and, um, uh, <clears throat> I had a little lamp next to the bed and I get woken up by the sound of the light bulb popping, it exploded. Uh, and never in my life have I had a light bulb. I mean, they burn out, but I've never had one pop and I don't think the lamp was on. I usually sleep in the dark and, uh. So that was another thing that, um, you know, I, I don't remember. It was before or after. And when it happened by itself, I didn't think much of it. But looking back, you know, I thought that was kind of an odd uh, occurrence. And it was the middle of the night, but I, I didn't look at the clock. So, again, timeline being kind of, you know, unsure, I had this really intense nightmare that, uh, and this was, again, I, I don't know if it was before or after the 3.30 thing. But um, in my in my dream, I'm, I'm I go outside my front door, and it's it's nighttime, and I go to to walk across my front yard, across the street to get my mail, and I'm two thirds of the way across my yard, uh, fifty feet or so from the street, and I hear a bicycle coming. Well, you know, I, I just kind of stop and I'm looking, and there's this big creature. It looks like a a big toad and overalls is the way I describe it, riding in like an old style bike. And, you know, I, I, I'm just in this dream staring at it and I'm thinking to myself, nothing to see here. Just keep going, buddy. <laughs> you don't see me. There's no reason to stop. And this thing slows down, takes one foot to the ground and it, it, it forms a smile on its face and it turns its head towards me. And without words, I hear it say, I think I'm going to stay here for a while. And that, I woke up and it, it just, I felt like, you know, that wasn't a normal dream. It was really, um, made you feel uneasy. So that 3.30 thing, not that it meant anything at that point, but um, after that point, uh, I would have a reoccurring nightmare and um, I would wake up in a panic and it would be 3.30 on the dot every time. This lasted for upwards of a year, maybe eight months to a year, to where um, sometimes I'd have the, uh, the the nightmare and it would be 3.30 and I'd wake up in a panic at 3.30. Other times um, I would I would wake up and the clock would say 3.30 and it, it wasn't like I was waking up six or eight times a night. It was only once and it was always on the dot at 3.30 and... Um, I'd go to sleep, and then I'd have the nightmare. Um, but um, when I'd wake up from this reoccurring nightmare, uh, 
you would feel like there's something in the room and it's threatening your life. You just felt this pressure that's undescribable other than... I kind of attested to... Um, I had a, a teacher when I was young that um, he always carried a ruler. He never hit me, but if you were goofing off and uh, uh, he knew it, he would stand behind you with his ruler. And like he, he thought he was going to hit you, but he never did. But it was that feeling. It's something you can't necessarily see it, but you know it's there, and there's a good chance you're going to get hurt. Um, but times 10. It was just an ominous feeling. So um, other things happen along the way with this um, with this reoccurring nightmare. Um, and it was, it was pretty much the same nightmare every night. Uh, you're in an, an old house. Um, something happens. You're not quite sure what, but it's you, you and one other person. And you desperately are trying to get out of the house. And every which way you would try, it doesn't work. And you feel like, you know, it's just impending. You're going to die. You need to get out. Um, you know, the window's not there. The door won't open. Um, just crazy anxiety stuff. So um, I would talk to my wife about it a little bit. And, uh, you know, she'd say that, you know, it, it's all in your head. It's a bunch of crap. Uh, and, um, some other things happened that, um, were even darker. One, I remember one time, uh, my wife called me upstairs. She says, come in here for a minute. And I walk in this room. It's like a storage room. We never use it for anything else. And she says, listen, and we both heard breathing. We both heard inhales and exhales in the middle of this room. And there's nothing but boxes in it. And, you know, I didn't want to leave. I'm like, wait a minute, we got to figure this out. And she's, you know, she, it's an old farmhouse with plaster walls and, and it had a closed, um, chimney with a cap on top on the outside of this wall. And she's like, well, it's probably an animal in the chimney. But, um, you know, me being one that was on the roof and so I knew there was no way in that chimney. So that really disturbed me. So did it sound like it was something actually in the room, like someone standing beside you? Did it sound more like it was in the wall? It sounded like it was two feet in front of us. Um, like you, you could hear it. You could, you knew it was um, a person breathing, but there is no way to, I mean, it just, it was just there. Um, just cannot explain it. So at, at one, some point or another, I uh, started sleeping in the same room as my wife, um, and and things started to escalate when I did that. Uh, one night I was in bed getting you know comfortable, not quite asleep yet. I've probably been laying there 15 minutes or so, and I feel and hear three very brisk steps, quick steps across my floor, and then the whole mattress rolls like someone briskly walked across the floor and just kicked that mattress as hard as they could and shook me. I mean, I rocked back and forth, and the wife wasn't in the room. I was alone and uh, scared the shit out of me. Two more things happened that um, uh, were, were very terrifying, uh, and they're going to sound like, you know, I need a straitjacket, but they really, to me, in my mind, they happened. Um, one night I'm in, in the same the bedroom as my wife. Uh, I think she was asleep already, and I, I got in bed, and I'm laying there. And for, for better words... My mattress took a big breath. Uh, I'm laying on the mattress, and I feel the center of the mattress rise, 
I mean, I rock to the left and then roll back, and it, as if the mattress just took a breath, and it just, it left me so confused in the head. Uh, you know, what was that? And my wife was out, passed out sleeping. Um, just totally, from that point, I started putting, uh, uh, like, blessed objects under the mattress and um, doubled up on my prayers. And prayers were always the thing that would help when... Uh, when I feel this pressure come, uh, when I'd wake up from these anxiety dreams or night, you know, nightmares, um, I would play possum. I'd roll over, I'd see it was three thirty, and be like, "Oh boy, <laughs> you know, here it is again." And uh, it's never three twenty nine, never three thirty one, always three thirty. And I would, I'd roll over like I was just stretching, close my eyes, and I'd start praying. I'd say the Lord's prayer, I'd say uh, a bunch of different prayers, and and eventually, the feeling would subside, would go away. Um, so one of the most terrifying things was um, I went to bed with my wife. She went to bed first. I came in, laid down, no TV, no radio, no nothing. And I'm laying there, and I decide I'm gonna, I, I'm you know, gonna say some prayers to myself in my head. Um, something I've done since I was a child, and uh, so I'm saying the Lord's prayer in my head, and my wife in a voice that was not hers, says, shut the fuck up, like that. And I mean, there was no noise being made, and I, I couldn't let it go. I, I elbowed her and said, what'd you say? And it was, uh, leave me alone, I'm sleeping. And I said, did you say something? And she said, no. So something was messing with me. I don't know if it was influencing her or if it was something independent or what but it was terrifying and you were saying the prayers in your head nothing nothing verbal all in my head i just it's just a habit i do it all you know every night and uh yeah there's no noise and she in a this comes out of seemed like it came out of her oh another another note to make is um so this labrador retriever uh yeah he's just he was the best dog friendly you know never had never you know hardly ever growled just a happy dog one day i'm sitting on that bed in our in our bedroom and uh he's sitting on a, a dog bed next to the bed and um and i'm looking at him and i think i'm putting my shoe on or something he's looking at me he turns his head about 10 degrees still looking in my direction and he shows his teeth and starts growling just out of nowhere and uh you know it made me freeze and kind of look around like well what else is here and um, and it lasted maybe thirty seconds, and then he stopped, and you know, went back to I don't know, looking around the room. But um, things like that just would—it was just unsettling. It was like something was was toying with you, trying to just undo your, you know, <laughs> your normal day, just trying to mess with you. And um, when you um, when the, when your wife spoke out when you were um, when you were doing the prayers in your head. Was the dog in the room? Did the dog react to her doing that? I don't remember if the dog was in or out of the room at that point. I, that I can't say. Um, so I told some people in my family about it. I have a, my older sister has a lawyer as a husband. And he, he he's very, he's a little condescending, but he, he thinks, you know, everything can be explained and, and, you know, expressed away. And he was telling me how stress is such an amazing, you know, uh, thing and it it plays with your mind to where you you know all these things can be 
you know, because of your stressful situation. And, you know, I tried to explain to him that I you know, had a lot of stress in my life, but I really don't think this has to do with that. It's just so, you know, of its own, you know, kind of entity thing. Yeah. Stress uh, doesn't normally make your mattress breathe. No, no. And I've <laughs> you know, never before or since, you know, has that anything like that happened. Um, you know, it just was in that time frame. So um, a turning point was uh, um, my kid was in elementary school and we went to the elementary school's bingo night. Well, uh, a friend um, that lived close to us and their parents went as well. And uh, so we sat together and then afterwards we decided to get ice cream. So we're, we're you know, we'll let the kids eat their ice cream in the parking lot of the place. And, uh, and we're talking and it's very close to Halloween. And um, we're talking about what the kids are going to be for Halloween. And, uh, and it kind of segues into um, you know, camping trips in the past at Halloween time because them and us used to camp together. And um, I don't know how it segued in, but it, it was we were talking about things of a, a scary nature. And I wanted to tell them that, you know, I was being woken up at 3.30. And um, I just felt compelled to do so. And I, I cut the words out. I'll never forget this. I said, I wish I knew why. And the wife, the woman, the neighbor of ours says, you, you wake up at 3.30. And and my first thought was, you know, her and my wife talk. And my wife's like, oh, you know, he's such an idiot. He thinks the house is haunted, you know. he. So I, I initially, that's where my mind went. I said, oh, you know, is my wife, you know, did tell you I wake up at 3.30? And she gets this really, conf- you know, confused look in her face. And she says, no, I've been waking up at 3.30 for the last six months. And, um... You know, it terrifies me. Something's messing with me. So, like, we're comparing notes. And her husband's standing next to her. And uh, I want her to, like, tell me without me revealing things because I've got friends saying that it's all in your head. It's not real. My wife thinks that, you know, there's nothing to it. It's, you know, you're making it up. And um, so she says, you know, I got the the Bible next to the bed and when I wake up at 3.30 it terrifies me and I feel like something's there and bugging me and you know I'll I'll um I'll quote some scriptures and say some prayers and um and her husband is looking at both of us because I'm kind of saying the same thing yeah you know it that's exactly what's happening to me he, he's got the smile on his face and he's like you guys are crazy you know what you guys you know this is this is silly you know and so I, I divulge that I have this reoccurring nightmare, but I don't say a word about what it is, just that it's it's reoccurring and it's a nightmare, and it's always the same. And uh, so that's kind of where we left it. And I, I wanted to, you know, our houses used to be all belonging to one big farm way back when. And I thought, you know, maybe there's a lost soul on the property that, you know, something at 3.30 is pouring that time and... Um, you know, and, and I didn't say this, but, you know, for my nightmares, it seemed as though something happened at that point in time and the person couldn't get away. Um, so then another interesting ha- thing happened. Uh, my wife's grandfather, who lives down in um, Hamilton, down in Baltimore, he uh, he was a, an electrician for a very long time and um, and then worked for BG&E and, and became a... Um, a master fabricator for a marina. He would do all kinds of welding and stuff and, and custom jobs. Well, I wanted to put some more outlets in my, um, or another 
panel in my house. And uh, he came up. He said he'd do it for me. And uh, he's like the most easygoing, nicest guy you could ever want to know and uh, help you with anything. And he's really smart. He's like genius smart. So uh, he comes up. He had been my house once or twice before, and he's he's working on the fuse box. And um, first he's kind of, you know, joking. He's like, you know, he says, how many times do you think I've come to Sykesville in my years of business to work on things for people? Because he had like a TV repair business for a while. I'm like, I don't know, 10 or 20. He says, one time. One time ever. And he points at the ground. He's like, this is the house. He says, what are the chances that the only place I've ever come to in Sykesville to work on someone's electronics, um, you know, my family buys it. I'm like, wow, that's 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 kind of intriguing, you know, kind of odd. And uh, so then I'm kind of curious because I'm thinking about this whole 330 thing. I'm like, well, who, what was the person like? Oh, you know, and why did you come out to Sykesville, you know, 30, 40 minutes from your home to do this? Well, it was it was an old man, and he just was so, he sounded so sad. His TV wouldn't work, and it sounded like his whole world was closing in. And uh, so I came out, and I fixed his TV. And I'm like, you know, can you describe him? He's like, well, that was 30 years ago. He's like, I'm sure he's dead now. He was old back then. And that's kind of where he just kind of dropped it. He just said, he just said you know, it's the most curious thing. So he's working on my fuse box, and he's buttoning everything up. And he's and I had the old, like, screw-in glass fuses. And he says, wait a minute. He says, and I don't know electrical stuff, but he says, you got, it was either 14 or 16 gauge wires running to the fuses, but you've got 30 amp fuses in the box. He's like, why is that? I'm like, well, you know, I was, I think I was 24 or 5 at the time. It was, yeah. I said, well, we have window air conditioners, and they kept blowing fuses. So I put bigger fuses in, and <laughs> they don't blow the fuses. And I'm kind of like laughing, like I'm a genius. He, I'd never seen the man ever in his life get angry. He got like crazy angry. He says, you have no idea what you've done. And I'm kind of laughing still, like, oh, what did I do? And he just got like dark and angry. He's like, I've seen it before. He says, you'll cause a fire in your wall. You'll never know about it. This fuse, you know, it, he went on and on about electricity and how you know, uh, he started describing how the cord will turn cherry red and melt and it'll catch fire and it'll kill you in the middle of the night. It just went like nuts. He's like, we're going to go this minute to the hardware store and get the right proper fuses. And I, well, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and we did. We got the right fuses. And um, he never brought it up again, but it was almost like uh, it was just strange. And I thought, you know... I was trying to piece together, well, maybe this old guy uh, had a small short or, uh, you know, something happened and he was trying to get out of his house and had a heart attack and died. You know, I don't know the history of this house. So I'm trying to, like, think of what could be that this, you know, what makes it make sense. Well, so after that, uh, it continued. Um, it, it morphed a couple times into, into little weird things, kind of like the you know, the breathing and the light bulb. And, um, but one night I decided, I woke up and I was thinking about how to make it stop. You know, do, do I get somebody to come to the house? Um, I've been told sometimes that can make it worse if, um, if they just want to talk to it and not, you know, expel whatever it is. Um, oh, one more thing. 
so uh so this this curiosity started in me with with what is this stuff and why does it happen and how does it target and just a million questions why is it here and how do you make it go away so i started watching and getting a hold of whatever i could get a hold of so this one night i'm watching this episode of um it was a haunting and it was where these people had this entity in their house and they had a priest come and do an exorcism and uh so i'm watching it and watching it and watching it and they they um they put a table up and they have a mass in the house and you know the kids are laughing and, and acting out and the candles it was very dramatic but the thing that got me was before everything calmed down there's this crescendo of activity and right before it stops you hear these three loud knocks come out of nowhere and the priest who actually did the exorcism he was he was narrating this scene and he says um the three knocks you hear are a very common occurrence with the coming or going of a demonic entity. And my hair about stood up on my head. You know, I'm like, wow, this really, <laughs> the lights just went out. How cool. <laughs> you know, that doesn't surprise me. I said, this, this really validates what, um, what's going on here. You know, it, it's, it's something that, you know, you feel threatened. You feel terrorized. It wouldn't surprise me that it's something dark and sinister. So, um... Maybe a month or two go by, and um, I'm in the same room as my wife at this point when I wake up at 3.30, and I hadn't had the night, the the uh, the dream that night, I, I or the nightmare, I I just, and when you would wake up, I, I have a very physical job, and when I sleep, I sleep like a rock, at least I used to when I was younger. This waking up was like never, nothing ever, like, you know, like flicking a light switch, you're from sound asleep to wide awake. Uh, every time it's disturbing well it happened again I felt that presence and I just I was angry and I, I got up and I said that's it I'm done and uh subsequently I feel like I did it wrong I don't like to say that but it's true uh I had a you know a kid sleeping upstairs the wife sleeping upstairs I went downstairs and I turned every light on and I said basically I'm addressing who or what is messing with me and waking me up at 3.30. I said, this is my house. Um, I do not want you here. You're not welcome. And leave. And uh, don't bother me again. And uh, I went back upstairs, went to sleep. Um, the next night, uh, it's kind of a late night. I'm, I'm in bed. And um, <clears throat> so to tell you kind of how things are set up, the room I was staying in by myself is across the hall from the bedroom that me and my wife stayed in together. And uh, so the night after I told it to quit, I'm in bed with my wife, and it was 10.30, and I hear this faint little three taps come out of the room it all started in. And something inside of me just jumped for joy and said, and I said out loud, I said, it's gone, it's going, it's out of here. And um, by the grace of God, I have never had... Another thing happened at the house associated with that 3.30 phenomenon. And, and that was how long ago? That was probably 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Um, there are a couple more pieces, though. Well, um, I, I did want to ask you a little little bit about the 3.30 thing. Yes. <clears throat> so the first thing that pops into my head, it, we're recording this in springtime, so it's, we just did it. Um, daylight savings. Okay. Did that change the time, or did it That's a good question. To... So... 
Remember I told you I told my neighbors about it and they had this weird look on their face? Hmm. They go to my church. Two weeks after I told, we talked about this in the parking lot of the ice cream place, uh, the woman's husband comes up to me with this weird look on his face. He's got this weird smile and he's all excited. He says, George, it happened to me. It happened to me. It happened to me. He was like, just crazy excited. And I kind of crossed my arms with like a, a little bit of, you know, validation. Oh, what happened to you? He says, I'm asleep and I have this horrible nightmare. And I wake up and it's 3.30 and I feel threatened and terrified. He's like, but he says, it wasn't 3.30. I'm like, okay, explain that one to me. He says, I, when I wake up, you know, I, I hit snooze a bunch of times. I try to, I like my sleep. He says, I have my clock, ten, I think he said 10 minutes fast. So he feels like he's getting away with something when he, you know, lays in bed longer. He's like, it wasn't 3.30, but the clock said 3.30 on it when I was woken up. And I said, well, that just means that in my mind, whatever is doing this is intelligent. And it's not like a uh, time period thing where it's stuck at a specific moment. It's It wants you to see that number. And you did you remember always seeing that number regardless of every time, every time. So it wasn't about your sleep habit or your body rhythm. No, it was it was. I opened my eyes, and and sometimes you know you'd feel like oh here it is again, and you might not open your eyes immediately, but within probably a minute. But it was always three thirty. And so I, I said to my buddy, I said, okay, tell me, tell me about this nightmare you had, because his wife had said you know I don't recall having a nightmare. I just wake up terrified. Well, he says that in his nightmare, him and his brother were, were at his brother's house, which is a, a little farmhouse in Pennsylvania. And he says, we were at the table playing cards. And uh, we both looked at each other and immediately I knew we need to get out of here immediately or, or we're going to die. We're just, the feeling of, you know, you're going to die unless you get out. He says, no words were spoken, which is always the same with me, never any words. You just get up and you run for the door, and it's not there. And you run to the window. You run to the, the next room. You, you're you just trying to get out of a place you can't get out of, and then you wake up terrified. And that feeling of, you know, adrenaline, anxiety, and everything's just there, and you just you wake up confused. What the hell? You know, what was that? And so he told me that. I said, yeah, you had the dream, all right. Different that, setting, but but same. Yeah, it, it, things that were important always stayed the same. The theme was the same. Yep. And you had house, never you had never told him what your dream exactly never. was. Mm-mm. No, he could not have known it. So to me, that was just gold. That was a nugget. Again, just kind of on the three thirty thing. Um, did you know when you woke up at three thirty? Did something always happen? I know you said you always you would say your prayers and you would try to go back to sleep, or maybe you'd play you know possum. But did you? Did something always happen? Did you always have a dream, or do you just consistently woke up at the same time? It it would be an unnatural waking up, um, with it was as if. Have you ever had your alarm clock not go off, and you were really looking forward to something, and you wake up and you realize it's two hours after you're supposed to be up, and you're just like, oh shit, you know, and your body is just ready to go. Yep. Um, every time it was like that. You wake up. Your body wakes up and you're like, you know, thinking, why am I so awake? You know, uh, you know, did I oversleep? And I look and it's 3.30. That's the best way to describe it. So maybe a year after all this, I'm still thinking about it, wondering, you know, I, being, you know, um, I've been a Catholic my whole life. Uh, I feel like the way it left 
didn't seem like I did things right. I was very unspiritual in my quest to tell it to leave. It was, um, so I, I kind of worried about that. Um, so I've done this a couple of times. You're driving down the road, you think of a person you want to talk to. And in my thoughts, I thought, well, who's, who's a very knowledgeable person? And I watch all these shows now, so I thought, okay, well, there's Ed and Lorraine Warren. And I know they live, I believe it was Rhode Island, it was a long time ago now that this happened. And I got a smartphone, so I, you know, it's, it, uh, and Ed had already passed away. I, I, I got on my phone and said, I want the phone number for Lorraine Warren and whatever Rhode Island, you know, wherever she lived. I had seen it recently at the time, and I knew the, the town. And for people who don't know, Ed and Lorraine Warren were the couple, uh, the real-life couple that the Conjuring series is based on. Yep. Yes. Yeah, they spent their whole lives dealing with this this realm. So I, I make this call, and she answers. Lorraine Warren answers the phone. Hello? I said, hi, you don't know me, but i really love to talk to you. I have, um, I have some questions that I, I think you could help me with. And she says, well, I'm right in the middle of something, but... Can I call you back in 45 minutes? I said, anytime you want. And 45 minutes later, she calls me back. It really surprised me. And uh, so I tell her my name, and she says, are you a relative of um, this woman that uh, that the whole Conjuring uh, movie is based on? Because we got the same name. And I said, no, totally. You know, they're, yeah, they're a distant relative, I guess, but no. So anyway, um, she says, well, what do you, you know, what's going on? And I, I told her basically a nutshell of what I told you and said, you know, I don't know that I did things right. And she says, let me tell you, she says, I, I, um, I've got gifts. I, I can, I can sense things. I can, you know, feel things. She says, I, I'm in a room with a cat and this cat is out of its skin trying to get away from me and away from this room. She says, that tells me that, you know, what you're dealing with is very dark and sinister. She says, what do you do for a living? I thought to myself, well, that's like she's fishing here. I said, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a landscaper. She says, what did you do before that? I said, I've always been a landscaper. And uh, she says, tell me about your house and your, 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 your household and how are things at the house? I'm like, oh, well, that's, you you nailed something there. I said, it's as dysfunctional as it gets. And, um. And she she basically said that these things are are drawn like moths to the light to a a uh, a couple that has problems, a family that has problems, um, uh, drug addiction, uh, mental illness. She says, you know, they will come in and they will try to finish and and just destroy, and they'll usually go after the head of the household, and uh, and nobody else may know that they're even there. That makes the person, you know, they're targeting seem even weaker because no one believes them. And uh, so I said, well, you know, I think it went away. And I told her what I did. And she's like, well, you're, uh, you know, you're in good standing with your church. You know, you, you, um, I do some extracurricular stuff with, uh, with church groups. She says, it's an implied thing when you've got a spiritual foundation like you do that, um, you know, that's where you're coming from. And you, Owning that house and being in charge—that that—that's very weighty," uh, she says. But unfortunately, she says, "I, I got to tell you that that I feel that this thing is just laying dormant." I'm like, "Okay, what do I do with that?" She says, "You keep your spiritual armor strong, 
And uh, she says they don't live our timeline. Uh, she says they, you know, they're around for thousands of years and they, they're very smart. And um, you just, you know, keep your spiritual armor up and don't fall into a situation to where they can um, can come back in and, 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 uh, and work on you again. But she said it's 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 real stuff. <laughs> I hear a rooster in the background, and she's like, "You got excuse." She says, "I have a pet rooster that lives in the house." I thought that was bizarre. <laughs> but um, so that's about the end of my my story with the whole three thirty thing. Wow. Um, well, you know, I'm I'm glad you circled back because I wanted I had a couple more questions about that. Um, so I know you said it started with that dream about the toad on the bicycle. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, was that just a one time? Dream that was sort of like the introductory dream. And that was yeah. That pretty much. I can't remember. If it was the night before or after that. That the three big bangs on my headboard, but it was it was within that week. Um, I just I should have wrote it down, but I didn't. But yeah, that was like here I am. You know. Really. Uh, and then it changed into the other recurring dream. Yeah. So some things that I'm not that are hard to put into words. I I had prayed one time to see what was tormenting me before I went to bed. I said, you know, please, God, let me let me see it. I might regret that, but I, I want to see what's tormenting me. And that night I had the most out of this world. I got to call it a dream because I don't, I, I don't think it could even be real. But um, maybe to somebody that it's happened to, they might say, oh, okay, I understand. But even to me, it, it sounds silly and you might want to, segment it out because it's it's just out of out of this world well we can uh, we can keep going but i did have just two more questions about the frog okay <laughs> yes so i know you said it got this really big smile on its face and it, it said what it said did was it just a smile or did the face continue to mutate or morph it didn't morph at all i mean it, this frog was about six feet tall maybe six and a half feet tall wearing like old clothes with like raggy old blue jean suspenders or, or overalls i mean which really was odd. And it had, I remember it had yellowish eyes. Uh, it was kind of like hunched over riding a bicycle. And it was like an old, like, you know, one speed red bent handlebar bicycle. And um, it, it didn't stare at me. It, it aimed its gaze in my direction and kind of s- had like a subtle smile to its face. And telepathically it was, I think I'm going to stay here for a while. And then I woke up. Or at least the dream stopped. I don't, I don't know if I actually woke up, but that was the dream. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that would freak me out too. It was bad. <laughs> do you? I, I, I do. I think we have enough time to go into your other story, your other, uh, your okay. other uh, dream. But um, I have to ask. I mean, sure. I don't know how many. I know you. You've told me before that you've. You know, you talked to other people over the years to get some of their stories and kind of. Um, get other people's read. I mean, is this something you tell people a lot? And are you afraid at all that by talking about this, that you might sort of invite something back? Yes. Yeah. I I think a lot about, it's funny on the way here, I um, I was on the phone with my brother who lives, you know, maybe a hundred miles away and uh, told him what I was going to do tonight. And he, well, what are you going to talk about? And, and, uh, and he asked me the same question. And I said, you know, I, I think the more you give it attention, the stronger it can be. Um, but at the same time, telling the story can let other people um, understand that either they're not alone or there's a way to, to defeat this. There's a way to work with it, um, to um, to get better, to get help. So it's it's complicated. Um, 
And uh, here's a... Here's another very interesting piece to this. So after I was all said and done and told it to go away, um, my parents live in upstate New York part of the year, and I've got a sister who's 10 years younger than me, and we traveled there together, just the two of us. Um, we left here like 8.30 at night. We got there about 4 in the morning. So I'm telling my sister, who you know lives kind of out of town too, um, the stuff that had been happening. And... Uh, as we're traveling up the road, you know, she's, you know, she's kind of in awe hearing this stuff. And I made the comment that it wouldn't surprise me in the least if on our way up, if we happen to be on the road at 3.30 in the morning, I gave three scenarios, you know, uh, a tire blowout, or, the, or, you know, the lights go out, a tree falls, or a black cat runs across the road. And um, we got off the interstate um, probably around 3 or so. And we're traveling the back roads to my parents' place. We got another maybe half an hour, 45 minutes to go. And it's, you know, it's late. We're tired. Uh, we got the radio on kind of quietly. And, and I think she's, you know, kind of in a daze, half asleep. And I'm, I'm kind of almost there too, driving. And uh, not thinking about it in the least, but this, this black cat runs across the road. And I slam on my brakes because it was that close. I was going to hit it. And she sees it. I see it. And the clock, as we look at it, says 3.30. Wow. And she just was like, get me out of here and just get me to the, get me to the cabin. <sighs> I, I, you know, I, I'm totally done. I believe it 100% now. And um, so, yeah, that was, that was after the fact, after, you know, after it was all said and done and gone, um, quote unquote, that, um, that this little, you know, boo happened, you know. Well, well, so that brings up an interesting question, right? So that you always woke up at 3.30, but if you happen to be awake at 3.30, does something always happen? I'm never awake at 3.30. Okay. And now you got me wondering if I should not be. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and now, all these years later, I when I, now that I'm older, you know, I hit the bathroom once or twice a night in the middle of the night, and... um and I typically will, will click on my phone. I don't have an alarm clock anymore, but I'll look at my phone just to see what time it is. And it'll be 2 or 3 or 4 or whatever it is. It doesn't really bother me. I don't think, I don't dwell on it. Maybe tonight I'll think twice about it because I've told the story. But um, but no, I don't I don't really think a whole lot about it. Um, so. I, I, hope, I hope it ends up being more of a purge than a dwelling to you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because like, I, I, like you said, you don't tell a lot of people about this. No. Um, so I hope it's more like you're kind of getting some, you're, you're dumping some extra weight. Well, it's, it's from time to time, I think it's good to remember where you've been. Uh, because it, it'll keep your spiritual armor up. Uh, and that's kind of why I like the stories. I like to hear, you know, one that, you know, other people witness things, um, uh, or have their own story to tell and um, and how it affects them. Have you ever gotten a negative reaction trying to talk to somebody about this kind of stuff? Not as much negative as they just don't believe in it. You know, just and I can I can totally understand that if if you haven't had any experience with it, why would you think it was real? Unless you know, I was trying to think of a good scenario. You know. A good way to to word it in, in that um, I don't know if you've never had an an episode or an encounter of that kind, 
why would you believe it unless, you know, I mean, there's open-minded people, but some people are just so close to it and just so can't see it. You almost wonder if they just are, are telling themselves, you know, it's not real just so that they don't have to deal with it. I don't know. Yeah. No, that makes sense. But I mean, plus if you think about it, it really doesn't fit with the norm of what you're taught to believe and you're, no. you're taught what's real. And, and, you know, so I, it makes sense that if you have not had any kind of experience yourself, you know, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't um, buy it. Yeah. Mm-mm. All right. Um, so we do, like I said, we have a little more time if you want to go into your other story. Sure. Uh, so I, I, I said a prayer, you know, Hey, let me, let me see what this is. And, um, I, you know, I don't have dreams every night, but certain ones I remember and I'll never forget. And this is one of them. Um, so I'm in the bedroom by myself. Uh, it's summertime. And, uh, so I'm sleeping on top of the covers. Uh, and all of a sudden in the middle of the night, I don't know how to put this into words a hundred percent, but I'll try the best I can. I see the room. And I see myself sliding off the bed and standing against the wall. And I'm standing with my back against the wall and I'm looking at myself laying in bed. And I am confused 100%. (laughs) Because I don't know if it's a dream or it's real or what, but I'm looking at myself and I can see my chest moving, you know, breathing. And and I'm just thinking, what the hell is this? So as I'm standing there looking, I see this gray sphere, this gray ball of light about the size between a softball and a basketball, but closer to the softball size. And it's it's below my ceiling, and it's going around in circles about maybe three to four foot diameter. It's going in a slow circle above me, just circling around and around. And I immediately instinctively thought, oh, that's the thing that's bugging me. That's the thing that comes here to bother me. And instinctively, again, I knew the remedy was, well, I, I've got to say my prayers. <laughs> That's what I do every time to make it go away. So I'm against the wall looking at myself in bed, and this thing is swirling around the ceiling. And I start saying the Lord's Prayer. And I just get a little bit into it. And then there's two of these things going around in the same speed, uh, like a dirty gray sphere, going around in circles below my ceiling above me and uh i'm kind of like oh he's got a friend but i realize you know no you you need to just do what you need to do and, and and say this prayer so i back up and i start again and i'm doubling down trying to like i've always felt like to say it right you've got pictures in your head of the different segments of it and you think about it and you don't just say it as much as you you try to do more than that, I guess. Focus on it. Um, think about it versus just say it. So I'm in Manifest that. Manifest it. Kind of, yeah, I'm yeah. kind of in that struggle of, you know, okay, focus harder because this thing's really trying to pull your attention away. So now there's three of them. And at this point, I realize, okay, this is a battle of wills and I have to do this or they win. Uh, whatever that means, I don't know. So I just, I know they're there, but I just kind of like take my attention off of them and I I say it through and then I kind of realize that I'm in my bed it's all over and uh it was the strangest thing I that's the best words I can use for it 
Um, I'll never forget it. And that was it. That was, and that was before you did the. That was before. That was in the midst of all it happening. Okay. Yeah. So did you, when you were done with that, did you actually feel like it had left? Yeah. Yep. When I finished that prayer, I knew I won for the moment. I knew that you know, it didn't win. That that that's basically it. Okay. Well, I, I I'm wondering though. Um, I mean, like you said, you go, you're Catholic. You go to church on a regular basis. You're very spiritual. Have you ever talked to a priest about this or anybody at the church? Um. So, I had one priest come to the house for another reason, and. He didn't stay very long. He had a whole pamphlet that he printed out about how we were going to bless this house. And he heard a little bit of what I had to say. I didn't tell him any of that stuff other than just a couple little snippets. And uh, he blessed the house. And he said he wouldn't go upstairs. Uh, He said that he wanted me to go upstairs and say the prayers. And that he would sit downstairs and pray while, you know, and and assist me. And uh, so it was maybe a month later... In one of his homilies, he talked about how but how much of a scaredy cat he is and doesn't like to face that kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, that's why I went upstairs. So I had the house blessed that time. And he left me this pamphlet on how to bless the house. And he said, you can do it anytime you want. So um, there was a, a, a period of time where it seemed as though uh, my wife and my brother-in-law uh, were influenced by something. Um we would go away in the winter time and visit family, and my wife would stay home, just me and my my kid. And uh, so I came back, and they had this almost like a kid would make a uh, um, a coat hanger with um, yarn hanging from it and pictures, and uh, they had cut the pictures in half like. Uh, they had people in their family they didn't like very much. And it was almost like a, a celebration of people they didn't like. And I, I, that bothered me. I'm like, what the hell is this? Oh, we were just having some fun. I threw it away. And they just had this really, just this mean side to them. And they'd make my daughter cry. They'd, they'd say things that were just way out of line. And um, so I decided, you know what? I, I need to bless this house again. So I waited for a moment when everybody was gone for the day or for for a good period of time. And I pull out the notes this priest gave me, this pamphlet. And I went through everything and I'm blessing the house. And I got holy water and I got the pamphlet and I'm I'm saying what I need to say, making the sign of the cross. Well, I'm upstairs in the hallway and at a very certain point, I've got my back, you know, facing one way. I'm looking, I'm kind of in a corner. And I just feel this pressure again. This, this, I'm right behind you, and you're gonna, you're gonna pay for what you're doing, boy. You're gonna, you know, I'm gonna swat you like a bug. And I felt just this icy terror, and my body's like, you need to stop now. You need to stop now. And something inside of me like, no, this means you need to go harder. So I went harder, and I pushed through it, and it went away. And this is, this is another affirmating or affirming, crazy thing. So um, my brother-in-law worked with me, but he didn't live at the house. And he comes the next day. His wife dropped him off, and he just looked horrible. He looked looked like he had been drinking all night, and he, he didn't really drink. So I said, what's wrong with you? Oh, I don't know. He said these words. I had the night from fucking hell last night. I had the worst night of my life. I don't know what it was, but I couldn't sleep. I feel horrible. 
right, well, let's go to work. So we got done early that day. Uh, got home maybe around 1 or 2. And uh, he goes home. And uh, I go in the house, and my wife is just waking up, and she looks horrible. She says the exact same words. I had the fucking night from hell last night. I'm like, well, is it something you ate? I, I don't know. I just I couldn't sleep. I feel horrible. I don't know. I think that there's an attachment on both of them, and it got messed with when I blessed the house. And, um, yeah. It just, it, it for ne- neither of them to know what the other said, and I'm the only one that knows, and I don't think I told a person that story. But, um, yeah, that, that just really confirmed to me that there, there's things that, uh, that mess with you that you can't see, but they're as real as you or I. Good on, good on you for, you know, getting through that and keeping your, keeping your faith and, you know, doing what you had to do. It's I mean, always it's... bolstered and like, it's always pushed my faith on more, you know, it just, it makes you stronger. I mean, you could, I guess you could, uh, and I'm surrounded by people that, you know, say you're worm food when you're dead and, you know, there's nothing and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe they, they're around me because they, they, uh, they're not a hundred percent sold on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need they need to they're getting something from you, you know, they're it's, it's possible. Yeah. I hope so. Man, so I got to ask, so, you know, before all this happened, before you bought that house, yeah. What what were your thoughts on this kind of thing? Did you were you a believer in in ghosts or or spirits or <laughs> possessions or or whatever? Was was any of that ever on your radar before? So, when I was really young, my family would talk about it some and my dad would always say there's no such thing as ghosts. Well, Somewhere along the lines in high school, he talked about how he grew up in a haunted house. And I'm like, wait a minute, mister, there's no such thing. Well, we don't want to scare you guys. So I'm thinking about all the times I'd come tell them things that, you know, ah, it's, yeah, it's a bunch of crap. You know, I'm thinking that maybe there was something to it and they just kind of poo-pooed it. Um, so they grew up in uh, White Plains in Valhalla, New York. And my dad said that growing up his place was, had people, you could hear people walking through it. And, uh, and nothing beyond doorknobs turning and a sink coming on. Nothing terrorizing, but just like other people occupied the house. And this is before I could really, you know, understand any of that. Or uh, When they first got married, the first couple of years they lived in a, a rental house in Massachusetts. And I think they were there for longer than that because my sister was four or five and I was two or three. They tell this story about how my mother was in the, the bathroom putting on makeup. And she did a double take because the eyes in the mirror weren't hers. Um, my dad said that he he was in that bathroom looking in the mirror and something happened and like his face smiled and he wasn't smiling or something really bizarre. And then my little sister came screaming and crying, running out. It was wasn't the bathroom mirror. This was a mirror in their bedroom. She was she was pointing the mirror and just crying her head off. And and she I don't think she ever said what she saw, but. I think there's always been things surrounding. Maybe we're a little more sensitive to it. My, um, we moved to New Jersey. I was, when I was 14 or 15 or 16, somewhere right in there, that's where I first had some experiences I could not explain. I had a, a, a bedroom very much like here. I was in a basement and, uh, there's nobody around and there was enough insulation around me that you couldn't hear a thing. It was just like a cave. You know, at 15, 16, it's like, yeah, this is what I want. Get me away from everybody else, you know. One of the strangest things was I, I 
I had a girlfriend, and she used to write me notes. I thought those notes were like trophies. And she would fold them up in like origami style to where they're like folded inside of each other. And she'd write my name across the front on a couple different layers. So if you unfolded it to get it back to your name to be read right, you know, it had to be folded just right. So I had maybe a dozen to 15 of these on my nightstand next to my bed. And back in the 80s and 90s, I had a clip-on light on my headboard. And I had a, like a spiral... Uh, extension cord with a little twisty on off in the middle of it and uh so i you know kind of knew where it was you kind of reach up and it was about where your pillow is because it went down to the the plug next to the bed well one night uh i'm in bed sleeping and i wake up to the sound of paper crinkling and it's as quiet as it is now in that room and i i'm like racking my brain well what, what what could that be? Is there a mouse on my nightstand? What, What's going on here? And I hear more paper crinkling and more. And it's very, it's very like rhythmatic. Like it, in my mind, I was seeing somebody unfolding my notes and dropping them to the ground. Um, Cause that's, I mean, it was only a couple feet from my head. And I've got this thing going on inside of me, like this internal, you know, fight you know play dead don't move play dead you know and the other part of me is like no what the hell's going on and uh so at some point i played possum again i acted like i was stretching and i got my hand on that little twisty knob to turn the light on and all in motion i turned the light on i screamed and i jumped up and looked all at the same time because there is no getting out of that like it was a very long room and you know i'm the farthest away from the door in this bed so as I turn the light on and look, there's nobody there. But four or five of my notes are open and laying on the floor. And I know every which one of them, every one of them was closed and on top of the table. I didn't sleep in that room for about two weeks. I could not explain it. Um, it just terrified me. And then shortly after that, I'm like, hey, uh, my younger brother, hey, how'd you like to sleep down here with me and move into the big guy room? <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you hear the paper sound up until you turned that light on? Yep, I heard it. Yeah, it was continuing, and it just it my that and my heart beating. I mean, I literally was hearing bum 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 bum, but like I just I was gonna explode. <laughs> That's crazy. That's yeah. really scary. Yeah, man. So yeah, I've since then I've really tried to compile. I it, I spend a lot of time with people where we're waiting for things to happen. Um, older people in my church group where we, uh, you know, we're waiting for halftime or waiting for the crowd to get up and get snacks. And um, so I'll ask, most of the guys are 60, 70 or, or older. And uh, I say, I got a hobby. I, I collect stories. Um, you know, you have anything that uh, supernatural or miraculous or paranormal that you um could tell me and most of them will laugh well i could tell you but you wouldn't believe me really and uh that's where it starts maybe occasionally somebody will say nope never but more than not say yeah and those stories will be told yep. the ones you're allowed to tell so we're gonna we're gonna have a series with george so this has been this has been our introductory episode so we're we'll have a whole series of these um and we'll uh we'll be back soon to hear your next story well, I thought it was a very lovely story, and you tell it so well.
with such enthusiasm. I want you to know it's over. Well. Bye. This house is clean.